0: glad that you're here today. We want to take time to welcome you, especially those of you who may be watching online. I know we've got many who are joining us by way of the live stream just in the last couple of weeks. I've gotten messages from people who have been watching in Florida, California. One smart Alec who sent me a uh, picture by email of himself on the beach watching the live stream in Costa Rica. Yeah, that is not of the Lord, right? I mean, that's just problematic and an email that we received from a young man who is serving in the military overseas who has been challenged in his walk with the Lord and God is bringing him back into a place of life giving relationship with Jesus Christ and every week he's watching the live stream from here at Calvary and uh, we welcome you And we are honored by the way that God is using technology through the internet and through television to be able to impact people's lives with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. And that's awesome, isn't it? And we, uh, yeah, absolutely. We celebrate that today. So glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 4 this morning. Joshua chapter 4 and uh, today we are wrapping up the series of messages that we have been um, in for the last couple of months called the promised land and uh, we will be finishing up today we have been making our way through the book of Joshua have just thoroughly enjoyed this time that we spent there this week we will finish up in Joshua and then next week uh, we will start some Christmas messages and uh, look at the the Christmas season together I want to go back today To Joshua chapter 4, it's a story that we looked at quite a few weeks ago uh, as the Israelites crossed the Jordan River. And we're going to go back and look at that today because there was one part of this story that on purpose we we skipped. An important detail in this story that we skipped so we could come back to it today as we finish up this series. Now in Joshua chapter 4, here's what's just happened. There was a barrier that kept Joshua and the Israelites from going into the promised land. If you remember, they were slaves in Egypt. Moses comes along. God uses Moses to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. They have their freedom. After they leave and are delivered for 40 years because of their rebellion, they wander in the wilderness waiting for the time when they can go into the promised land. Geographically, there was a barrier. There was a gate. There was a doorway that kept them from going into the promised land. It was the Jordan River. So they spent these 40 years on the east side of the Jordan River waiting to get to the west side of the Jordan River, where God had the area, of the land of promise, reserved for them. And in Joshua chapter 3 and in chapter 4, we read the story of how the Israelites come up to the Jordan River at its flood stage, when it is the most um, high water, when it is raging, it's a torrent of water that goes the, the, through there, it's not, a, it's not a, fl- a stream, it's not a creek, it's a raging river, and God literally turns the water off. He stops the flow of the water so that the Israelites then can march across the Jordan River on dry ground. And God does this amazing miracle. In the process of this, He asks them to do something very specific. Joshua chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua... Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. And in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. What a, what a powerful question. You know, children have a way of, of asking questions. If, if you are a parent, then you know that there's this season, oftentimes kind of in a preschool years of a child's life, where it seems like that's all they do. Parents, do you remember that? What about this? What's that? And that question, after question, after question, after question. I prayed that the Lord would give my kids question switches so I could just turn them off, right? There's those seasons. And there were these stones that were to be set up By the Israelites. And the question that Joshua perceived that might come was this. He said, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? This wasn't just another pesky question. This was a powerful question. This was a meaningful question. And when they ask this question, it is, Joshua says, your golden opportunity to take them back to what God has done. It's your chance to remember. He is wanting them to anticipate that this question is going to come. When your children ask. What do these stones mean? It's important that you remember. This message today is all about remembering. About being deliberately aware of the things that God has done for you in the past. And the way that that affects your future. And we talk about this today because I'm going to guess that many of you are a lot like me. See, here's the truth. It's important for me to remember because I am prone to forget. Anybody else like that? It's important for me to remember, because on my own, I'm prone to forget. I, I tend to get so busy. I tend to get moving so fast that I have a tendency to forget the things that have happened in the past. To dismiss the things that God has done. And I get moving forward, and I don't pay a whole lot of attention to those things that happen. And Joshua knew he had to build something into the very fabric of who the Israelites were that would cause them to say, what do these stones mean? See, it was an ancient practice in the ancient Near East for people to mark significant places with a pile of stones. In fact, archaeologists have for years found places that they can go back to and say, this isn't just rubble, this was deliberate. Someone made a place here to mark that something significant happened. And so Joshua took that and used that to challenge the people of Israel to come to one of those significant places and then reflect on the things that God had done. And to say, what do these stones mean? Because if we fail to remember, what happens is we're we're prone to forget. And so let's go back. Let's see again what happened next. Joshua chapter 4, verse 19. Joshua 4, verse 19. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal, ...on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal... ...the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites... ...in the future... ...when your descendants ask their parents... ...what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan... ...on dry ground... For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. And he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Joshua gives to them a moment so that they can remember. And what I want to do in just these next few moments is take those verses we just read and let's unpack them a little bit. Let's look at what they say, how they practically apply to our lives, and then I want to walk through some practical um, information and, and some history that may help us to really see how this impacts us as people today. So let's go back to the text, Joshua chapter 4. Let's begin with verse 19. It says On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho, and Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken. Out of the Jordan. What Joshua is doing, as we've already said, is he is building something into who they are as the Israelite people that will cause them to remember. It will help them not to forget. And this is critical for them, especially as they go into this new land. For you and I, we need to find ways that we can remember. Things that will help us to look back and say, What has God done? What do these stones mean? What is it that I should be reminded of? That's why it is important for us to find ways to at times go back and look at pictures of where we've come from. Do you remember when when pictures used to be printed on paper? Do you remember that? We used to do that it's good for us to pull out the scrapbook or take time and look at those pictures and see the things that God has done. Tell those stories, maybe even to another generation, to do something that marks and commemorates how God has been faithful. I've got some friends, they they keep a basket with stones in it. And each stone, in this same way, is very significant. And each small stone marks a time and a place where God's faithfulness or His provision or His strength in their life was evident in those times. It's critical for us to find ways to remember Here's why Because when we deliberately remember We will not tragically forget When we deliberately remember We will not tragically forget And even though Joshua set up these stones for the Israelites They they dismissed them If you read on into the book of Judges What you see is that the next generation Failed to remember In fact they dismissed the things that God had done And in the process of that, they walked away from his truth. Judges chapter 2 tell us that there's a generation who did not know God or what he had done for Israel. And it was a tragedy that came and and nearly destroyed that nation because when we do not deliberately remember, we tragically forget. So that's why a day like today is so important for us to look back and say, God, what have you done? And in fact, for some of you, I would challenge you today to adopt what I would call an if-then lifestyle. That you would live an an if-then lifestyle. Here's what I mean. That you think about it in this way. That if God did this in the past... Then that affects the way I live in the future. If God provided for me in the past... Then I can believe that He will provide for me in the future. If God proved Himself to be strong in my life in the past... If He did that... Then I can believe He'll be strong in the future. If Jesus is my best friend... If I have committed myself to God, then that affects the way that I live my life. It's this if-then lifestyle. If God did this, then I will do that. That's the beauty of remembering. Because when I deliberately remember, I don't tragically forget. What is it that we should remember? That's why Joshua said, "Your, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? What do they mean? Let me very quickly today give you six things that we see from what Joshua said. Listen to what Joshua said to the Israelites. Verse 21, he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. First thing that we see in this passage. Number one, what do these stones mean? Number one, these stones mean God has a plan for your life. Number one, these stones mean God has a plan for your life. Those stones that were set up would be a reminder to the people of Israel that God had a plan for them, that God had a destiny for them, that God had things in store for them, that their life wasn't random, it wasn't just by chance, and even in the times when they were wandering, God was leading them somewhere. See, when they crossed the Jordan, they weren't just going on a trip. This was no vacation. This was literally them stepping into the destiny that God had had for them literally for hundreds of years. See, all along, every step along the way, the truth was this. God had a plan for their life. Now that, that little phrase, God has a plan for your life, can be kind of cliche, can't it? It's kind of trite. We we say it all the time. Oh, God has a plan for your life. You know when we usually say it? We usually say it when someone else is in a place of crisis and we want to... We want to get away from them before they need something from us, right? Somebody comes to you and says, oh, my whole life's falling apart. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. God, God has a plan for your life. And um, don't call me. Thanks, I'm okay, right? That's how we respond. Because if I can play the spiritual card and say God has a plan for your life, then I can kind of check out. Because I did that. That's not what we're talking about here. Look, this is a very real truth that from start to finish... When things are phenomenal and when things are difficult. The truth is God has a plan for your life. And the fact that God has a plan gives me the assurance I need to face the days ahead. The fact that God has a plan, that God's working something out, even in the midst of my wandering, reminds me that God will help me in the days ahead. Whether I'm facing an unprecedented opportunity, or whether I'm up against something that just seems too big for me to handle, here's what I know. That if God has a plan in the midst of all of this, then I can put my confidence and my trust in Him. You know that the very first thing God does when He wakes up in the morning is check Facebook, right? Right? And he, he he checks it and he looks at your your post from last night and he goes I had no idea, I did not know you were going. I didn't know it was like that for you. Is that how it works? No, God knows everything from start to finish. He knows where you are at and He has a plan for your life. That's what these stones mean. Second thing, let's go to verse twenty three. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. Now drying up the Jordan, that's an extraordinary thing. This is a river at its flood stage. And God literally does a miracle. He does the impossible to stop the river so they can go across. Which shows us the second thing. Number two, these stones mean God does mighty things. Number two, these stones mean God does mighty things. This is what Joshua did not want the the people of Israel to forget. That's what these stones mean. When you see them, when you notice this, remember the incredible things that God has done. Tell the next generation. Give them the story of who God has been in their life. I think we we all have family stories. And there's people that we talk about. And from generation to generation, you hear about these people. And, and for some of us, those people can even become kind of legendary. They can kind of become larger than life. In, in my own personal life, I think, I think one of those people was, was my grandfather, Robert Benjamin Gilligan. They called him RB for short. And I was only six when he passed away. But, but my grandma would tell me stories all the time about him and what a man he was. The person that he was. He was in in the construction fields. he was a plasterer in a day when that was an art it was It was a craft, and he would do that and she would She would tell the story about how, when they moved to those acres that they bought um, to, to raise their family, the house that they lived in was just this little this this shack it was just a shell of a home, but with his own hands, he built. That house, and she would tell those stories. She would tell about the cow that would follow him around out in the little kind of farm area that they had and how that cow loved your grandpa, which isn't that what everybody wants to hear. And then she told one story about this time when he saw a UFO. I'm not making that up. So I think every family has a little crazy in them, right? I think that's there. But then she'd tell about how he read the Bible multiple times over and over again. And in hearing those stories... There's there's a strength that comes to us. We're, We're thankful for where we've come from. The strength that's in our family. The things that God has done. The way that He's provided. We find our identity in those stories. And so Joshua says, don't miss this. What these stones mean is that God does mighty things. And if God wants to work something out in your life, if He has a plan, if He has a direction for you, He will move, literally, heaven and earth to do it. God will do the impossible to make his will for you possible. That's what these stones mean. That God will do the impossible to make his will for you possible. That's what these stones mean. Because these stones remind us that God does mighty things. That he works on our behalf. Joshua did not want them to miss that. Verse 23, Joshua chapter 4, verse 23 again. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you, listen to this key four words here, until you had crossed over. It does not say just God dried up the Jordan. It does not say God dried up the Jordan and then left you in the middle of it so that you could get washed away. He says, God dried up the Jordan River for you until you had crossed over, until you made it to the other side. He was there and he helped you out. Sometimes I think we think that God puts us in a spot and then he's just waiting to wipe us out. But the truth is this, third thing, these stones mean that God provides for you, that God meets your needs. That right where you are, the things that you need, you can trust him. And he's not going to put you someplace just so he can wipe you out. He's not going to put you someplace just so he can leave you there. He said that he will help you get over to the other side. That's what these stones mean. And I'm I'm convinced that for someone who's hearing this message today, that's significant for you to hear. Because you wonder, will I find the finances? Will I find the strength? Will I have the courage and when we look back and remember, it tells us that God can be trusted to provide for your every need. We can put our confidence in Him. God can be trusted to provide for your every need. He will meet that need. He will give you what you need. That's what these stones mean. They remind us of His provision. Back to verse 23, second half here of that verse. It says, The Lord your God did to the Jordan." What he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. Here's a fourth thing. These stones mean God is faithful. These stones mean God is faithful. Joshua says to a generation who who really had only heard about this. They weren't there. This was 40 years before. He says, look, God, 40 years ago, he dried up the Red Sea. He literally split it in half. So that when Moses led us out of Egypt, we could walk right across it on dry ground. And he did that then. And then did you see what he did now? This time he he stops the Jordan River. And we walk across that on dry ground. And it shows us this, that God is faithful. Number four, these stones mean that God is faithful. These stones mean that you can trust him. That you can put your confidence in him. That he's the one that we rely on. They mean that God is faithful. And he does not change. We live in a world that that moves and changes and is different all the time. But because God's faithfulness is constant, my trust can be constantly in Him. Because God's faithfulness is constant, my trust can be constantly in Him. What does Hebrews chapter 13 tell us? You probably know this verse. You can help me out here. It tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change. He's constant. So in the midst of a world that may be swirling around you, in the midst of a life where you wonder, how am I going to find consistency? How does this end up in the end? Know this, rest in this, that the God who was faithful in the past will be faithful in the future, and His faithfulness is constant, so your trust in Him can be constant as well. Okay, let me, let me, uh, let me, let me go to the next part of this scripture. And this part kind of intrigues me. Kind of blows me away I I didn't see this coming As I was studying this part of the passage Because once we start reading the book of Joshua Here's what happens Joshua leads the Israelites into the promised land And it's conquest, isn't it? It's for them to go in and take the land and to get rid of those people that are there. And when we read that, we often read it with this tone of God is mean and he's judgmental and he's filled with wrath and he's vengeful and he's not a God of justice. He's a God of judgment and he's just a really cold, cruel, bad guy, right? That's how we read it. But that's not the case here. In fact, the truth of the story, and we've talked about this on several occasions as we've gone through this book, the truth of this story is that God wanted to give a chance to the people who were there. But they rebelled against him. See, his hope was not to punish them. He wanted them to know him. But because they wouldn't, he had to respond in a certain way. So listen to the purpose of all of this. Uh, uh, Verse 24 of Joshua chapter 4. God did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. See, God does what He does, in your life in particular, so that other people will know Him. What do these stones mean? Number five, these stones mean God shows His power to others through you. These stones mean that God shows His power to others through you. I think for many of us, we we think that our, our life is all about us. It's about our comfort. It's about our fame. It's about our advancement. And that when God blesses us, that's something that's there for us to celebrate. Look, it's so much more than that. When God blesses you, He does it not only because He wants to bless you, He also does it because He wants the world to see who you are through Him. He doesn't bless you so you can go home and sit in your lazy boy and go, "Well, that was a good day. He blesses you so that others can see who He is. Let me say it in this way. Your life is to be an invitation for others to experience God's life-changing power your life is to be an invitation to others to experience God's life-changing power I've, I've become a, a big fan of an app on my my smartphone um, in fact some of you may use it I oftentimes use it when I'm out of town it's it's an app called Yelp does anybody use Yelp Nobody has a clue what I'm talking about here is anybody here are we good? All right? Okay. I mean, here's what it is. If you don't know what it is. Yelp is this app that that helps you to find like local businesses in particular a restaurant. So if I'm out of town, there's something you can you can You know, click on your phone and it says nearby. And what it'll do is it'll list for you all the restaurants that are near to where you are. So you can look and go, I want pizza or I want Chinese or I want a good burger or whatever. And you can look and go, hey, there's a restaurant. That's what I'm hungry for. That's close to where I am. And it helps you to to find places to eat. Now, it's not just finding the places. This is why this app is so significant. Because then it also gives you reviews. So people who have already eaten there will, will put on there how they enjoyed or what they thought of the restaurant. And you need to read those reviews. Because just because it says you can get pizza doesn't mean you want that pizza. Sometimes you've got to read the review that says, at the risk of your life, don't go there. <laughs> Worst pizza I've ever eaten, right? It may be there. Or the review might be, This was fantastic. You cannot miss this when you're in town. In fact, the the truth is, I've ordered things in restaurants that I would not normally order, but I did it because I read a review that told me this was good, and I tried it out, and it was wonderful. And so it's a powerful tool to help with this. Now, track with me for just a moment. You are God's Yelp. Now, do what you want with that. But understand this, that when people see you, it should point them to who he is. In fact, your life is a review of his goodness to you. What these stones mean is that others see who God is and they can recognize his work in your life. They can see his power. And when they see you, they should be pointed to a God who changes lives, who's mighty and is faithful and who provides. You are a review of who God is. And watch this. When people see you, they should be drawn to recognize that God is real and they should want to taste and see that the Lord is good. You are the app that God uses to point people to himself. That's what these stones mean. One last thing, real quick. Verse 24 again, second half. Joshua says, these stones mean that so that you might always fear the Lord, your God. Stones are a reminder of what God has done. Verse 6, these stones mean God deserves our everything. These stones mean that God deserves our everything. It's the whole if-then idea again. If God has done this for me, then I will live my life for Him. Nobody likes a nobody likes fair-weather fan, right? At some point, and when you align yourself with the team, you, you kind of sell out, don't you? You choose that. that that's my team. That's who I'm going to commit to. If anybody watched that game last night and was like, Well, I hope the Buckeyes win, but I'm okay if the Badgers win. Something's wrong with you, Right? I question your salvation if that was you, okay? Because when you choose a team, you're hardcore. You go for that team. And what these stones were, were a reminder to the Israelites that they were on God's team and that God deserved their everything. When I remember God's power in the past, I must give Him everything about my future. When I remember God's power in the past... I must give him everything about my future. That is what these stones mean. So let me take just a couple of minutes and, and um, maybe help to put this in a context that might be good for you to hear today. So you, you might not know this. For many of you that have come to Calvary in just the last few years, all you've ever known about this church is 1360 Conan Street. You've known this church, this season, this building. That's, that's what you might know. In fact, some of you may think that, that we just kind of popped up out of the ground a couple of years ago. The truth is, there's, there's more of a story. We can look and see what, what the stones in the life of this church really mean. In fact, it was on December 2nd, 1951, that Calvary Assembly of God was born. And so that means the church just had a birthday. You just turned 63, and for just having a birthday, you look fantastic. Can I tell you that? You look great. So it's good for us to remember. In fact, for some of you, you, you might not know a whole lot about our history. So let me just very briefly share a little bit today about what these stones mean. The picture that you'll see up on the screen is of that first gathering on December 2nd, 1951. 63 years ago, 29 people came together in a little place that was called Facet Hall. It was on Facet Street just off of Miami in East Toledo. And uh, they met, if I understand right, in an upstairs room. Primarily, there were five families that felt led of the Holy Spirit to start a new church. Here's what the cry was for them at that time. So many souls, so few churches. That there were so many people in Toledo who did not know the good news about Jesus Christ. And they said, the Holy Spirit is moving us To do something. And so those 29 people met 63 years ago this week and started what we now know today as Calvary. Despise not the day of small beginnings, right? So a few months later, that was in December. In April, they moved, they they put their resources together and bought this big tent called Calvary's Canvas Cathedral. The summer home of Calvary Assembly of God. We're going to try that this year to save cash on air conditioning. Wouldn't that be awesome? And they bought this Calvary's canvas cathedral. Here's a picture of the inside where they were all gathered together. Isn't that cool? I love that picture. And the guys in the middle with those awesome shoes, aren't those great? What do you think, Pastorville? You and I could rock a pair of those. Yeah, maybe not. All right. And uh, a couple years later, they purchased this building on Oak Street. And uh, you know the building. Yeah, isn't that awesome? On Oak Street in East Toledo. And that was their home um, for about seven years or so. One of the things that's always been significant about the people of Calvary. Is a willingness to say, how can we take the gospel and reach more people? This is a picture of a group that uh, referred to themselves as the church by the side of the road. Which to me sounds like a hitchhiker, right? Doesn't it? But I think context at that time. And they did a radio program. And they did a weekly radio program that would reach out to people with the gospel message. You realize, 63 years ago, that was cutting-edge technology, wasn't it? And they said, how can we use new means to get the good news to people who need to hear it? Not that different from what we're doing today with television, in particular, by means of the internet. Isn't that cool? How God helps us to do that. So as the church began, ...began to move forward and continue to grow... ...they eventually moved from East Toledo... ...to this building in South Toledo... Um, ...the building still stands... ...it's right at Burn and Glendale... ...across from the Southland Shopping Plaza... ...do you know where I mean? That area of Burn and Glendale... ...and that was their home in 1960... They moved into uh, that church building. God did amazing things in that season through the church. One of the things that's always been a focus for Calvary has been an emphasis on children's and youth ministry. And I think that was really cool for us to see that even today with the kids on the platform. Here's a picture of the youth group back in that time. The next picture is uh, the, the group that led the different Sunday school ministries back in the day. This is one of my personal favorites. That's the youth choir at that time. Aren't those collars on the ladies' dresses like a, a strong wind would take them completely away, wouldn't it? I had a request following the last service from one of the individuals in that picture that we burn that photograph. Um, it's worth so much more than that to me. It's, it's powerful. Um, the next is a picture of, uh, they did a bus ministry that went out and picked up children in the community uh, and here's a picture of, of worship that took place in that church at that time. Just a tremendous time in the life of the church. And the church continued to grow and to move forward. And soon, with the church and the, the, uh, the elementary school that was there at the time, um, began to just push push and stretch the limits of that facility. So they began to look for a new place to call home. They went a mile and a half west down Glendale and bought this piece of property at 5025 Glendale. Just to give you a little perspective the the road that runs across the top left corner of the screen is Glendale Avenue. The road on the bottom left that you see down there is Reynolds Road. And uh, that large piece of land in the in the center of the picture there, 5025 Glendale, that's the property that by faith those people bought at that season of time and uh, became our church home. It was just a, a, a field, a vacant piece of property at that time. It was a huge step of faith for the church. When we moved here... Um, and began looking to purchase this property four years ago, one of the senior saints in the church came up to me and she said, I know you think that what God's calling us to do right now is a faith move, but she basically said to me, you don't know nothing about faith, punk. That's pretty much what she said. She didn't say that, but that's what she said. And what she was saying was, the way that God led them and moved them forward in that time was extraordinary. To that location that you just saw there, 5025 Glendale, which was our home up until just a few years ago. Some, Some incredible stories there. When they moved into the church, they built the building and and basically ran out of finances and funding in the midst of it so the sanctuary sat vacant for seven years while the church was meeting in the gym and uh, that picture is actually a fairly finished picture of the sanctuary at one point there were mounds of dirt that just sat in the center of that room for seven years and off to the side were rolls of does, does anybody remember the orange carpet from glendale do you remember that orange carpet NASA has called. They want to use that carpet to coat the outside of the space shuttle. That stuff is the most durable material on Earth. It's amazing, and uh, that was that was that was our home during that time. Those seven years while the sanctuary sat unfinished, the church met in the gymnasium. And it was, it was logistically crazy to move everything around. And the congregation sat on these plastic chairs. I've sat on some of those plastic chairs. They're painful and improve your prayer life. I'm just telling you. You put your life at risk every time you sat in one of those chairs. If you want to grow a church, you don't start a project you can't finish. If you want to grow a church, you don't meet in the gym. And if you want to grow a church, for crying out loud, you don't sit on dangerous plastic chairs. During that seven-year season of time, the church tripled in size. Because God was doing something significant through His people. That's what these stones mean. The story, as I've heard it told, was that the financial situation was so bleak during that time that... um, Their creditors were coming and and asking for finances that the church did not have. And they were threatening to close the church down. The the truth is there's, there's, there's really no reason outside of God's miraculous hand that Calvary should even exist today. Because the creditors should have come and just shut the whole church down. The story goes that the creditors knew the only way they could get cash from the church for the building is if they would show up on Sunday when the offering was taken. So they did. And they would come and wait after the offering to try to just recoup some kind of cash in the process. During that season of time, um, Calvary's leadership said this, Look, we might not be able to meet all of our financial obligations right now, but we need to do what's most important to the heart of God, which isn't our creditors as much as it's the Great Commission. And they said our first commitment will be to missions. Our first commitment will be to make sure that the promises we've made to those who are taking the gospel forward will be met. And we'll believe and trust God that he will meet us with what we need. And that's exactly what they did. And as they committed to missions, God brought provision. And the church is here today. Because God blessed as their first commitment was to him. That's why when we talk about raising $23,000 last night, that's not because we want to feel like a bunch of studs, right? No, it's because we know that that's at the heart of God. And that we have a commitment to seeing the gospel move forward as a church. Crazy season of time. During that period of time on Glendale, there was financial crisis, there was moral failure, there was a great lack of unity during one season of time. And yet, through all of that, God moved His church forward. Why? I have a, I have a, a vantage point that, that you don't have. I'm one of eight people who have been able to sit in the seat as Calvary's pastor. And just for the record, I'm the only one that sat in this seat. This is my chair, right? You know, just for the record. But... But what I've seen is something unique. What I've seen is that, that this church is made up of people who say this God, whatever you want to do, we'll trust you. And God, through good times and tough times, we'll take a step of faith. We'll hold on to you because we know what these stones mean. We know the story that it tells about your provision and your faithfulness and your grace. I think that's why when four years ago, when God just dropped this little whisper in our hearts and said, Hey, you want to do something crazy? Why don't you buy a movie theater complex? Then see what I can do. We said, okay, God, we'll trust you. Because when we look back, when we see what these stones mean, we know that if we take the steps where you're leading us, you'll provide for us, God, that you'll do mighty things. We know, God, you're faithful. I ran out of time. I, I can't tell you all the stories I'd love to tell you about what the last four years have meant to this church. I just know this, that we have seen God's faithfulness and His provision. We've seen it in the way He's brought growth to our finances. We've seen it in the way that He's brought growth to our numbers. Even more, we've seen it in the life change stories that have come to people because they've encountered Christ in what He's doing here. That's what these stones mean, right? And it starts because there's a group of people that say, we'll do whatever it takes. Were any of you here to help scrape the carpet off the walls in this building? Does anybody remember that? I think the people in the movie theater business knew someday it might be a church, so they covered every wall with carpet just to spite us, right? And they put this, this carpet on with this glue that's not even human. It's crazy, this stuff. Why did we do it? Because we believe God's, God's got us in this place. He'll lead us. He'll move us forward. He'll do what he wants to do. So here's what I want you to know. If you, if you connected with any of those pictures, if any of those were a part of your history, then I want you to look back today and go, that's what these stones mean. That's what God's done for us. And maybe that's not a part of your history. But I want you to know today that this is a body of believers who have seen what God can do. And we believe not just in the past but in the future that that same God will help us and lead us and guide us and that this church's best days are still ahead. Amen? Amen? We believe that. That's what these stones mean. So here's my question for you. What do your stones mean? When you look back at your life, when you remember, what do you see? Because if we don't deliberately remember, we will tragically forget. So today, I challenge you, look back and see the times that God had a plan so clearly for your life. Look back and see His mighty works. See His provision. See His faithfulness. See the way He wants to use you to show His power to others. Be completely sold out to Him. Give Him everything that you have. Because that's what these stones mean. That's what they tell us. That's what they point to. And I want to encourage you today, no matter what your age, to take just a moment and remember... Remember what he's done. Because that's the foundation for what he's going to do. Take time and stop and realize his faithfulness and his forgiveness and his provision. Because if we don't deliberately remember, we will tragically forget. So let me invite you to do this right now. Just right where you are. Bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And can you take just a moment and maybe in the most simplest way, just, just say thank you. Thank the Lord for what he's done. Take a moment to express your your gratitude to Him. Take a moment to remember His grace and His provision. And we're going to sing this song that just says very clearly, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your grace and mercy in my life. You've given me life. You've opened my eyes. Express your love to Him. And in these next few moments, let's remember what these stones mean. Remember what they mean to you. And let's thank Him this morning.
1: reminds me that there is a place in the body of Christ for every believer. God has let my family and I grow, connect, and serve in this body, especially in the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how we've learned and grown in the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit as we reach others here and are reached
2: by others.
3: The stone reminds me of Psalms 119, verse 92. If I had not made your laws my delight, I would have perished in my affliction.
1: The stone reminds me that God meets us wherever we're at. Um, when I first came to Toledo, I was literally 10,000 miles away from everything
0: I had known and everybody that I had known. But it was here at Calvary that um, God provided me a family. Some relationships, some friends that uh, made a deep impact on my
1: life that continues to today, and I'm um, single where I met my wife. So, God's faith will meet us
0: wherever we're at.
1: This stone reminds me of the greatest gift I ever received Jesus.
3: reminds me of before I came to Calvary, I came from a broken home with a mother who did her best to provide for my brother and I, but she passed away when I was 16, and an alcoholic father who abused her and neglected us. This left me feeling empty and abandoned. But then on, through my relationship with my now wife and her family, I came to Calvary and found a heavenly father who filled all the voids in my life. I know that he will never leave me and he will continue to love and forgive me even through my imperfections.
1: I used to carry around with me before Jesus entered my life and God saved me from my own misery that I created. It also reminds me of the tragedies that He has kept me from and it reminds me of the blessings that He has given to my family such as giving us Calvary Church as a home church and uh, October 12th I was baptized by Pastor Chad October 14th Pastor Bill married me and the love of my my life. And a week before Thanksgiving, my dad had a bad stroke and he had to have two surgeries. And they told him he would never walk again. And the pastors heard about this and they immediately wanted to pray for him. And that's the kind of pastors we have here. They really care. They're genuine. And a lot of other people started to pray yesterday I went in, and he walked about 50 feet, and that is the power of prayer. I say never give up on prayer, never give up on God, and he will lead you to a great place. Thank you.
3: The stone reminds me of what Calvary believes in, and I would say Calvary believes in me. I grew up in Calvary, been here since I was like two or three, and this is a place where I felt a call to ministry, felt a call to doing something more with my life, um, just the everyday thing, and they took a little scrawny teenager, kind of awkward, couldn't talk. The first time I ever preached I was like this. And, uh, you know, just through the way the pastors have just encouraged me. They said, hey, you need to do these things. They encouraged me to go to Bible college. I went to the same college as Pastor Chad. Not that that means anything, but uh, it's closed down now. It's probably too soon to joke about it. But, um, but you know, I went to... <laughs> we're going to have a talk later, I think. Anyway, so, you know, this summer reminds me of the place that I was and the person I was before Calvary got a hold of me. And they created me into the man that I am today. And I'm super thankful for the investment they've made in my life. And the investment we make into our students every day. You know, because we truly believe that they can become something great. So, just want to thank you for this stone. means.
1: This stone reminds me of how Calvary is helping me live out the Bible verse. 1 Timothy 4.12 Do not let anyone look down at you because you are young. lead the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity
3: this stone reminds me of many many blessings we've had over the years here at Calvary and uh, I would like to thank everybody supporting and praying for us thing that came to mind was that our grandchildren the last couple years at the uh, summer blast that the kids come. And if you really want to experience something, I uh, suggest uh, volunteering next summer for the summer blast. All, all our grandkids uh, gave their lives to the Lord at this altar. And we just are grateful and thankful.
1: Thank you.
2: This stone reminds me that I'm home. I wrote this um, poem about five years ago, um, at the time not really knowing what it meant, and it took about this week and this stone um, to realize why I wrote it, is well, so I can share it with you today. I open my eyes and realize that I've been lost in time, and as I unwind from this bind in which I'm intertwined, I find that my mind isn't really mine. So under the pressure from impatience of a different kind, I see my sign. Take the road of heartache, it leaves you more man. Take the road of defeat, it shows you what you can. Take the road of wisdom, let it consume your brain. Take the road of ignorance, and someone will explain. Take the road of pain, it only goes away. Take the road of confidence, that's something that will stay. Take the road of misery, oh the lessons that you'll learn. Take the road of love, but be careful, love can burn. Take the road of lifting up for when you're too tired to walk. Take the road of listening, one day you'll need to talk take the road of sorrow today becomes tomorrow take the road of giving because you will need to borrow take the road of regret but learn from your mistakes and take the road of sacrifice to find out what it takes now take the time to reminisce on all the time you've spent so when your road dead ends you'll know where it went thanks for being a part of my change
0: would you stand with me Isn't it good to remember what these stones mean? Let's sing that again. Dustin, would you lead us? Let's just thank Jesus for what he's done in our life. owns me. You make sure that you tell people about what Jesus has done in your life. Take time this week to deliberately remember and thank him for who he's been to you. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Go in his special favor and his wonderful peace.